Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute, where we are taking you to the volcano one minute at a time. I'm Jarf, and back with me on Wednesday is John Winster. How's it going, John? Hello, good to be back. We are happy to have you. And we are talking about Minute 71, which starts with Joe screaming, Patricia! At where Patricia was just knocked into the ocean by the boom. And mm-hmm. it ends with Joe watching the Tweedledee being struck by a lightning bolt. So this is another jam-packed minute. We've got some amazing iconography of the movie in here and also another big hero moment for Joe. So let's just kind of go through it. There is one thing left over from Monday that I failed to mention. The very end of Minute 70 where she is knocked into the ocean by the boom. Clearly this wasn't the intent But watching it minute by minute, the way she's knocked in, it looked really funny to me. Yeah, um, so I guess that's not Meg Ryan doing her own stunts, we're just going to assume, right? I'm not even positive that it's a person that gets knocked into the water. (laughs) (laughs) You think they just just made up a dummy and put a a, a Paddington Bear costume on it? (laughs) Well, basically, they could just grab a Paddington Bear and knock that into the water. So Honestly, it's so dark in the scene, you could probably get away with it. Right, exactly. Like, why put somebody in danger, you know? Obviously, they're not in the real sea, or, uh, hey, are they? Right, exactly. That's what Paddington Bear dolls are for. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan still have many more movies to make together. We can't be endangering them here. And they know that already, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're like, we have a career together. <laughs> we, we, we can't do our own stunts. Throw in Paddington Bear. <laughs> right. But like I said, I never noticed. I never noticed how silly it looked watching it in continuity because when you're watching the full movie at least if you're me you're caught up in the emotion of this moment and Mm -hmm. they've just gotten together and have this great romantic kiss and and then suddenly she's knocked into peril in the water so Mm -hmm. i think it works when you watch it in real time do you agree yeah i agree I guess uh, when you're doing it minute by minute, you're, you're probably going to notice it a little bit more. You notice it a little bit more, and I think it's... Those are the risks we run. It's specifically how it broke up into minutes and the fact that it was, that minute 70 had big romantic kiss and then whoop, boop, knocked into the yep. water, and that was the end of the minute. It, it gave yep. it more of a comedy timing that, than intended. Yeah, kind of like a tragic comedy timing, too, because, like, he just kissed this woman, and, you know, a boom to the head, that could kill somebody instantly, let alone knocking them into the sea where they could drown. You know, I was thinking that, too. Luckily, she didn't suffer. Well, I guess she is unconscious and in and out of consciousness for a while, so she... And the way this movie's been going, you know, he's been meeting every Meg Ryan after Meg Ryan, you know, he finally falls in love with one of them, and then, boom, what if she's just... What if she's just dead? And then it's like, it's like a fourth Meg Ryan that he meets <laughs> right. after this. What do you think she would be like? The fourth Meg you know, Ryan. And I could actually see that. He gets to the island. He's devastated because Patricia's been lost at sea. But then one of the indigenous people on the island is also Meg Ryan. And Ooh. so then you get a fourth 
Waponi Meg Ryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Waponi Meg I, I Ryan. That's what I want to see. Yeah, we've written a, a little twist to this. <laughs> this is another thing Tierney's going to hate. I messenger in bet- after Monday's episode and I said, you're going to hate me after you <laughs> listen to this. So we'll see if that's true. So now we have Joe. He's on the deck. He's looking into the storm-tossed seas. And you can actually see Patricia's Paddington Bear raincoat floating on the surface. And so that's, that's their official name, by the way, those raincoats. Yes, exactly. So the Paddington Bear raincoat. Either she's drowned or she dissolved, or we don't know what happened, but he can't see her. And what I really like is that you see this moment where he's looking desperately for her. And then you can see him with his body language and the way he pulls himself up a little bit taller, that he makes the decision to dive in after her. And then Mm -hmm. he heroically tosses his Paddington Bear raincoat over his shoulder and then dives in after her. So that, that is some really good stuff, especially when you think of the overall theme about how he is trying to learn to be brave and, and get back to the person that he used to be when he was a firefighter. Mm-hmm. That was a really nice moment for me. Yeah, because it's almost like, um, you know, like you're saying, he's trying to be brave. Well, this is finally the moment where he needs to be brave and maybe it just comes like nothing to him. He's just like, okay, into the water, save this person, you know? It's like, it's no longer him thinking way too much about something because, uh, you know, the best version of him finally has a chance to take over. Right, right, exactly. And from a production standpoint, what I like is that they do give it a little bit of a beat so that that decision registers with the audience because if Mm -hmm. it just was she gets knocked into the water and he looks and then he dives in after then you wouldn't see you wouldn't see the choice and then it wouldn't continue the theme so i think Mm -hmm. it plays out really nicely and then like a lot of things with this movie it pivots quickly from the dramatic and the heart-wrenching to the very, very silly, because Mm. the sight of Joe's legs kicking in the air as he's diving down was so ridiculous to me. Did you notice Mm. that? Yeah, I did a little too. I think we were talking before about um, when you're in a moment like this, like the kissing scene or the hero scene, like the question was, what is going on in Joe's mind and what's going on in like actual reality? So how do you think Joe thinks that his legs looked when he jumped into the sea to save this woman? (laughs) You know, I think he pictures himself kind of like... Who's the actor that played Aquaman? Uh, Jason Momoa? He's Jason Momoa just surging through the sea in his mind. Mm -hmm. And in reality, he's Gilligan (laughs) just kicking his dorky legs in the air. Yeah, exactly. Wearing those like tan pants. Like you don't look good in tan pants no matter what you do. (laughs) He's probably got like, like tennis shoes on. And yeah, he probably imagines himself like Aquaman, like this, you know, strong figure, like burling into the sea. But really, he's just like, he's wearing these old man clothes. He looks like like a rag doll. Yeah, 100%. So he does manage to rescue Patricia, despite his old man clothes and general ineptitude, and Mm -hmm. pulls her up to the surface and then looks back at the boat and is just in time to see this lightning crashing around it before the actual lightning bolt strikes. Mm -hmm. 
So I want to talk, obviously, about the lightning bolt imagery, but just to to wind it back to how we got here, I thought this was interesting. They're in the storm. They hear that the boom is loose. Joe is trying to batten down the hatches and stay in the cabin, but Patricia says she's got to go out and try to save the Tweedledee because it's my boat. Mm -hmm. And so she goes out, he goes out with her, They try, and in the process of that, or maybe because they got distracted with their Hollywood romance kiss, Mm -hmm. she gets knocked into the water and he goes out to try to rescue her. That's the only reason they live, because, spoiler alert, everyone else on the ship dies. Yeah, which is how many people? Do you know? Three. Dagmar and Mike and Tony. Dagmar, Mike, and Tony. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a few notes here about Dagmar. So, she's not a character anymore. Not that she was really much to begin with. You mean in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we're to assume that she's gone now. Yeah. We have mourned this in earlier episodes. Amanda Plummer is fantastic generally. You get a little bit of her fantasticness in this movie, but Mm -hmm. criminally underserved. And then I think unnecessarily killed off. Yeah, I I was thinking that like maybe... um you know, since we didn't get a whole lot of Amanda Plummer in this, you know, if you get like, uh, the, you know, maybe there are some deleted scenes with a little bit more of her. But I was thinking, what would those be, too? Because you don't really see Dagmar die exactly, but you're to assume she's still in the engine room trying to fix the engine. Because that's kind of where we left her off, right? She's like, I'm staying with my ship. Take care of Patricia. Yes, that's where that's where we left her. And that line is very much... I'm going down with the ship. And then Mm -hmm. later on, when Patricia comes to, the first thing that she says is, how's Dagmar? And then Joe has to break the news that nobody survived Mm -hmm. uh, from the crew. Which which is uh, completely fine. But um, yeah, I guess- It's completely fine. No, it's not. It's sad. Well, I I mean, it's it's very sad. But I I guess on a filmmaking standpoint, you know, she wasn't that big of a character. Maybe she wasn't even all that famous at the time, Amanda Plummer, because, you know, her fame came after Joe vs. the Volcano. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe we're thinking a little bit too much about Amanda Plummer from what we know of her to assume that her death in Joe vs. the Volcano is a lot more sad than maybe the script made it out to be. So you're saying that people only matter if they're famous. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. Just that wanted to just wanted to, to get say. that down on tape. right poor amanda Plummer. that 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 is very sad because you know if there was like a deleted scene that they took out of her like actually like of her actual death scene it's like do we do we really want to see that because she's probably just still in the engine room either drowning or screaming or being burned alive from electricity right no i mean that it basically the deleted scenes are the last hour of the titanic Mm-hmm. So so we don't need that. But for a different type of deleted scene, I think that some of the Patricia Dagmar romance that we've speculated on in recent episodes has probably inspired some fan fiction by now. So so at mm. least there is that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there is a deleted scene that we don't know about that uh covers that ground. But if there isn't, we can only write it ourselves, yeah. right? Every saga has a beginning. And we should. So let's talk about the lightning bolt. (laughs) 
Okay. Tragically, the Tweedledee is struck by lightning and and split in two and it sinks. But we get that lightning bolt image that has repeated through the movie and not not subtly. They really make sure that you see that bolt. Exactly. There's a couple normal lightning bolts and then there is a great big crooked path, bright white. It actually lights up the whole scene and and then they cutting to Joe and he and Patricia are illuminated it. So it it really Uh kind of hammers at home. Yeah. The the final light bolt uh, or lightning bolt that takes out the boat is like, uh, it's like the repeating symbol of a lightning bolt that we've seen at least six to eight times before. Exactly. Or, you know, maybe even less. It's And my personal take on the lightning bolt is the lightning bolt is the crooked path that Joe must travel to reach the end of the story. So mm-hmm. if you remember, he has a line towards the end that he he's walked a long way on a crooked path. And so mm-hmm. lightning bolt kind of zigzaggy. So mm-hmm. I was trying to interpret the sinking of the Tweedledee through that lens. Mm-hmm. Because if the Tweedledee doesn't sink, then they just sail right to the island. And yeah. then he's got to he's got to pay the piper. So he made this deal that he's going to jump in the volcano. So is he going to go through it mm-hmm. or is he not? If you want to allow for the intervention of fate, then I would say the lightning bolt sinks the Tweedledee here and we see the crooked path image because he wasn't ready to complete his journey yet. He needs to go off on this luggage raft side quest Mm -hmm. and And he needs to see the moon rise and and really do that introspection before he's ready to get to the island. Yeah. So, you know, we see the the lightning bolt, which is a symbol and almost kind of like an emblem in some of the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's like a zigzag. It has like uh, three or four points on it. So like you were saying, the, it, it, it symbolizes Joe's path. I guess each point of the zigzag is like a different point in the path. So it's almost like a checkpoint. Exactly. Like he, he completed another uh, turn of the zigzag and now he's on a new path. And actually, if you if you check out our Facebook group or our private group for the show, the Joe versus a minute listeners luggage raft friend of the show. James actually did an illustration where he mapped some plot points of the movie along the lightning bolt logo. It's just, it's one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. We sort of talked about it conceptually on the episode, but after hearing it, he actually drew it. So it was really fun to see. That's cool. He should make like a really big, like painting of that, you know? And see how much see how much that'll go for in the world. Yeah, a big painting or may, or maybe a some beer koozies or something. Emblem from Joe versus the volcano, mapping out Joe's path along the zigzags. Yeah, I'd buy it. Right? <laughs> or at least a print. Yeah, at least a print. Something to re- something to remember the movie by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wrote down that the 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 shape of the lightning bolt. Yeah, I wrote down that it's like a it's like a path that your life takes. Not especially Joe's, you know, this this is Joe's particular zigzag. But, uh, you know, if this were made about anybody like that Joe knows, like they probably have a zigzag of their own, you know? Yeah. But um, this one's just specific for this movie. I don't know if the symbol has like an actual name or something. 
maybe John Patrick Shanley could shed some light on it. I like to refer to it as the crooked path. But you're right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's path would have these zigzags. Life is not a straight line. That That's our hashtag Wednesday wisdom. There you go. I wrote down here that somebody should ask Tom Hanks how many uh, how many big like pool tanks he's swum in or swam in, you know, in in in, in all of his movies combined. All right, because he seems to be like swimming around in a lot of tanks. Mm-hmm. It's like he's a very aquatic actor, and you know, like like uh, like this kind of mirrors the scene in uh, Castaway where his plane goes down, and then we get a whole lot of Tom Hanks in like uh, a like a stormy sea swimming scene, basically. You know, I'm going to commit some Tom Hanks heresy and say that I have never seen Castaway. Okay. How's that? (laughs) I love Tom Hanks, but it just, it seems like it's very long and it's just him on the island. I understand he talks to a volleyball at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a a volleyball. (laughs) I mean, should I see it? Yeah, I think so. If you're any fan of, um, who did that? Robert Zemeckis? Oh, really? I'd say it's one of his better movies, maybe. But uh, that's coming from a guy who walked out of Polar Express. Well, Polar Express has that whole uncanny valley problem and him Mm -hmm. looking very creepy. So it it seems like a very cute idea. But then when you actually see it, it's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, not that. Yeah, exactly. Do you, uh, off the top of your head, know any movies that you've walked out of before? Well, the only one that I've walked out of really in disgust was Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And honestly, I've thought in recent years that I probably should give it another chance. I was going to say, do you still feel the same way today? Yeah, I I probably wouldn't. I just loved Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure so much that Mm -hmm. I really wasn't I wasn't flexible to them them changing the premise and going in this different direction. But now I've seen a lot of movies that that subvert the original premise of the movie, and I've just enjoyed it in a different way. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it might just be a dumb 90s movie, but I don't know if it would actually make me get up in the theater now and leave now. Now, there are a ton of movies that I've gone to with my wife, and we've left in the third act, but it wasn't Mm. It wasn't sort of out of protest, if you will. It's just because we were like, mm, yeah, okay, we see where this is going. I think JLo's going to find love in the end. So we've seen enough, and, and there are other things that we want to do. So are you ready to leave? Yep, I'm ready to leave. Okay, cool, let's leave. So it's more <laughs> that kind of thing and less So you've of walked a- out of a JLo movie, you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I walked out of maybe like, like three or four movies. I see a lot of movies, but you know, I, I like you said in disgust. I walked out of first of all, Polar Express. <laughs> right, that is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I think I walked out of that. Maybe I think it was the part where uh, Guns and Roses showed up, or was it Aerosmith? Aerosmith showed up in Polar Express, and I think I stood up and was like, "Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I can't do it." <laughs> But uh, I think uh, another movie I walked out of, uh, what was that Beatles movie, Across the Universe? Oh, you didn't like that? I didn't like Across the Universe. So I totally got up and walked out of it about halfway through. Interesting. I liked it a lot. However, I didn't see it in the theater. So yeah. I probably watched it in a couple of installments, which I think helps. Yeah. 
you know, it wasn't so much that I didn't like Across the Universe, the movie, which I don't, but I think it was more like I was really into the Beatles at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, every second of this movie is ruining the Beatles a little bit more and more for me. So (laughs) if I leave now, then I can still hold what I like about the Beatles as close to my heart as I possibly can. (laughs) You said you were into the Beatles at the time. Have you basically gotten over it now? Uh, yeah, you could say gotten over it. I still like the Beatles, but, uh, you know, they're just not my favorite at the moment. They were when I was, like, 14. You know, now I, 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 I branched out. When you out. were rushing up onto stage and screaming and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I was screaming Beatles lyrics. <laughs> and there was another one that you walked out of? Uh, Pearl Harbor. Oh, I haven't seen that either. Uh, you don't need to. Take it from me, I walked out of it. <laughs> <laughs> We should have a separate podcast where we just talk about movies that we walked out of. Oh, um, what was that? Uh, the Farrelly Brothers movie, the th- the th- uh, the Dumb and Dumber, the the new Dumb and Dumber. I also walked out of that. I think I walked out of that twice, actually. The new Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber Two. You mean you walked out, you went back in, and then you walked out again, or you no, no. walked out, you went home, time passed, you bought another ticket, you went back, and then you walked out. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, yeah, it was number two because I, 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 I was really excited to see it the first time. And I walked in there and I was like, I was like, I was with a bunch of other people who didn't like it. And like, I don't think I was in the right kind of mood. Like we were just kind of hanging out in the city. I was like, let's go hang out in the city some more and not be in this movie theater. This is stupid anyway. So I went home and yeah, I just kept thinking about it for like a week. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it again. I'm going to go see the Dumb and Dumber sequel again. Mm-hmm. And um, same thing happened like 20 minutes into it. I was like, yeah, I was right the first time. This is very bad. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me situation, I have to mm-hmm. admit. Mm-hmm. I mean, going in the first place was dumb, but going in the... Well, you, I think you see where I'm going with this. <laughs> I, the first Dumb and Dumber was just so good, but actually, was it really, you know? You got to ask yourself that question, too. Yeah, I think we I do like the first I think Dumb we've all asked ourselves that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let, me, let me look at my notes. Did I have anything else for this minute? Nope. The Crooked Path, Lightning Bolt... I wrote down that I um I wrote a lot um or I like the uh the the other lightning you know we do get the lightning symbol like the big bolt of lightning mm-hmm. but even before that when he's looking over like the side of the boat we get a lot of like really good lightning shots in the background and uh, I think those are really good I think Industrial Light and Magic actually did this movie you know they did like all the special effects oh is so, that true that's some I forget ILM I know that we you. I'm pretty we sure. talked about this earlier but I don't remember yeah so that's some pretty early ILM I don't know if you know. Because they do a lot of like revolutionary things in uh, what do you call it, like special effects. So I don't know if they, if this was their most realistic lighting that or lightning that they could muster, you know, in the in like the 80s, or if they kind of stylized it on purpose. Because like in a lot of shots of Joe versus the volcano, you could say that this is like um, it's almost like a Tim Burton movie, you know, like an early Tim Burton movie, like that John Patrick Shanley made, and. uh like you're saying, yeah, you're saying it's like a fairy tale. You know, there's a lot of like whimsy in it and stuff. So I really like the shots of lightning, even though they're kind of fake looking. Mm-hmm. But are they fake looking because, you know, we're seeing this from the future or did they kind of stylistically make them look that way to uh, kind of, you know, take you out of the real world and put you in Joe's world, you know? Actually, what I found fake about them was the way they sounded. Mm-hmm. So they add in this this very sizzly sound effect, which is, it's more the sound effect that you would expect with something like 
force lightning in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But I thought it looked okay, but then with the addition of the sound effect, then it did get to the cartoony level, but I didn't really mind it, probably for the reasons that you're asking for. It just kind of fit in, in with the stylized take. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that you bring up Tim Burton because there there are production crew in common mm-hmm. with, with this movie and Tim Burton movies. I forget who exactly it was, but somebody who did set design. And yeah. this movie did a ton of Tim Burton movies. Well, it was probably like a smaller world back then in that like aspect. You know, if you worked on, if you maybe worked at ILM and you were like on, you know, the uh, the special effects crew, you were probably of like a group of 12 people who were doing like 100 movies a year or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas nowadays it would be, you know, if you work for ILM, you may, you know, you may be of a smaller group of like five people who are working on like four to five movies a year. Yeah, that does make sense. Cool. Well, did you have any other notes for Minute 72? Um, No, not especially. I really like the uh, the soundtrack. So I looked up who did the soundtrack or the music to this movie. It was uh, Jorge De La Rue. Is that how you say his name? It's just George De La Rue. It's just George De La Rue? Yes. Okay. Because I actually had to ask somebody. I was like, is this Jorge? Because there's an S at the end. Or is it just George and you drop the S? But um, yeah, I really like his uh, soundtrack to Joe vs. the Volcano. Uh, it might be my favorite of, uh, you know, Jorge or George De La Rue's movies because he also did uh, Platoon, which I don't remember the soundtrack to. He did Twins, which I don't remember the soundtrack to. And he did uh, something called Day of the Dolphin, which I only wrote down because I like dolphins. That probably has Tom Hanks swimming in a tank with the dolphins. We can only assume. Yeah, I think I will assume. Tom Hanks swimming a lot of tanks. <laughs> swimming a lot of tanks, yeah. We're big fans of the soundtrack too, so I, I appreciate mm. that shout out. Yeah, I, I, like, I didn't really note the soundtrack when I watched the movie until the scene, actually. It's a very... Like, I think I may have even heard this song in like, uh, you know, like trailers for other movies and stuff like that. You know, like it's, it's like, it's real like powerful piece that you could use in other things, you know, when trying to like showcase like, uh, drama. Mm hmm. You know how you hear songs from other movies in trailers for new movies, even though it's not actually in that movie. Right. Yeah. Especially if it's a piece of classical music. Mm hmm. That they, they go back to that well often. But this is original music that he composed for this. I think it just is drawing on similar notes as some of the like, iconic movie music. It's a, it's a Storm at Sea song, you know? Yes. Yeah, if people want to chase down the track, it's, yeah. it's, it's the Storm It's probably called Storm at Sea. But um, yeah, that's all they really have for this minute. Okay. Well, why don't we wrap it up there? Because we have to look forward on Friday, our Fairy Tale Friday segment, and and we're still here with the cliffhanger about what's going to happen to these two crazy kids at sea. So, mm-hmm. uh, but if you can come back on Friday, uh, we'd love to have you back. I will be back on Fairy Tale Friday. Okay, excellent. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we uh, will be back with Minute 72 and the sinking of the Tweedledee. Oh, where I'm gonna go on the ball
something is really different. I'm a growler. 